Hello, everybody. This is SBO Perspectives. And once again, I'm Jack Mitchell, along with John Bricado. One and only John Bricado. So we're here, like anything else, with our beautiful podcast episode, with more knowledge to expand and share. And we just can't wait. And you know, it just never gets tired. You know, I, I got to say that the first time I did it, and so many topics, I actually do it like, you know, over almost a year's time, you feel like, well, how much more do we talk about? You know, who else can you be on? It just, it doesn't end. It just continues. School business is just so big and, and ongoing. I believe that uh, we'll have this channel going for quite some time. Right, John? Right. And I think the the main thing is the perspectives. And that's, you know, the podcast name is so telling because we have somewhat similar conversations sometimes, but you get such a different perspective based on who you're talking to. And today we have Victor Manuel of the Jericho yes. Union Free School District, and he's one of the OGs as far as I'm concerned. And yes. he, we have a great conversation with him on just what he's seen over the years, and we're really excited to, to bring him on. So here's our interview with Victor Manuel. Today in the podcast, we have Victor Manuel. He's the Assistant Superintendent for Business at the Jericho Union Free School District. He's been in school business since 1995 and Assistant Superintendent for Business since 2001. He's been at Jericho for the past 11 years and was also a member of the Board of Directors for ASBO New York for seven years and in 13-14 acted as president. He's currently the co-chair of the Government Relations Committee in ASBO New York. Victor, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Jack. How are you? Good, good. Welcome aboard. I listen. Yeah, so happy to have you waiting, on. Waiting to get you on. I mean, I'm so glad you came on this morning and taking the time. Uh, I can tell you, you know, like I got to let the listeners know out there that you're like a special, I want to say informal mentor to me. I mean, you give me a lot of impetus for me to really work hard, you know, and, and really pushing, especially in Nassau, because I mean, that's that's your roots. And so I want to say, if you know how they say, I want to be like Mike, I want to be like Vic, you know, that's <laughs> Much that's how um, um so anyway we, we want to get rolling we want to get into these uh questions have a really good dialogue here and I, I know i can expect it with you so you've been this profession for quite some time i mean and i think one of the reasons why we, we wanted to have you on is just because of that you've been in different places you've started from the ground up starting out in a profession i guess like 25 plus years ago now could you tell me like how i guess our industry the school business has really uh transformed through the years Yes, sure. I'll give give you a hint. When when I literally first started as treasurer in South Huntington in 1995, we used to put our journal entries on the green accounting paper. uh, (laughs) Throwback. That's definitely a throwback. Wow. Um, So so what I'm going to say has changed so dramatically is technology overall. I didn't know anyone with a cell phone back then. And if they did, it was one of those giant bricks with a 10-foot antenna hanging out of it. (laughs) No iPhones back then. Yeah, there was no iPhones. Uh, I think email was just like starting up, you know, so, so the technology piece of it was uh, very, very unique, a different animal. Again, started off with green accounting paper. By the time I finished South Huntington, when I became an assistant soup in Lindenhurst in 2001, that's in that five years is kind of when we went from writing everything down to purchasing a financial system. Back then, it was more of a DOS-based system, if anyone remembers that. It definitely wasn't as user-friendly as the systems are now, but but that's uh, what we had to work with back in the day. And, you know, obviously since then, technology has, has roared. We need to keep up with it. It's, 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 been, it's been great. 
So I know we often rely on technology and it's been, it can be such a, a, a nice thing to have and make our jobs easier. But I'm just curious, is there anything that you miss about kind of the old school way of doing things? I guess the only thing I miss is since we didn't have those technological advancements available to us, it wasn't as much of a 24-7 type of situation. Yeah, I mean, I'm one that's, we'll talk about that later as far as, you know, why why do I feel like I'm successful personally? It's because of the connections. It's because of being right. in touch with the with what's going on, whether it's a Sunday, a holiday, what have you, and, and being in touch with the community. You know, that's very different to, I once in a while wish it reverted back to leave me alone <laughs> and to take me off the uh, you know radar for a couple of days. Yes, I understand what the uh, current climate is, and, and it's important to stay in touch, be in touch, not only with uh, your colleagues, your superintendent, but you know the community at large. It's a great point. I mean, I, I'm finding too, it's becoming harder and harder to get off of the grid because we are mm-hmm. so connected. And that's almost kind of a an expectation that we've inadvertently set with ourselves with having email on your phone and everything. So it's, it's tough sometimes to kind of really disconnect. But, you know, you've been in your district for quite some time right now, and it's there's, there's been some great successes in Jericho. Can you maybe speak to your accomplishments and what you're most proud of? Sure. I'm going to concentrate on our capital improvements over the last seven or eight years. The district, you know, back then did did not know of what a capital reserve was. I introduced it to the community, obviously the first couple of years in introducing it. It's a proposition that has to get voted on. You know, they had a lot of questions and rightfully so. They were, you know, what is this? Every other district does a bond. Why are we doing it this way? You know, fast forward, we've done over $50 million worth of capital projects through capital reserves. Wow. And my biggest, you know, what I feel is my biggest accomplishment is when I walk around the district and I see literally everything upgraded, you know, restored, just, you know, things that look like original type of auditoriums or, or there's instructional spaces. Tangible evidence as to what you've been doing over the years. Yeah. That's, that's really nice to see that kind of play out. It's great to see. And it's great to see the kids uh, enjoy all of those spaces as well. Really, really awesome. Well, listen, Vic, going even a step further then, it sounds like that that was a process, right? Right. So maybe for our listeners out there, could you describe maybe you know, a time, I guess when I was beginning, right? I guess maybe when your advisement possibly to the superintendent or other central administrators, like on these financial objectives, how did that go? Because I mean, obviously produce good results, but just maybe speak to like, how'd you go about that, you know? You know, I've been so fortunate from my first assistant superintendency to work with superintendents that are supportive, a mentoring type of attitude. And I've just been really lucky with my superintendents overall, because that can make or break, you know, anyone. How many superintendents have you worked with, would you say? Uh, Let's see, in Lindenhurst, total of four. So Okay, well, that's good that you've had such a successful Uh, track record. Yeah, a lot of consistency. And and again, a lot of good people I work with. And you know, you have to build a trust. Whenever you work with the new superintendent, there's a trust right. factor that has to be built up. And it does take a little bit of time, but once you build that trust, they're coming to you as the expert in in school finance and school business. 
and, and that's the way it should be. Um, right. you're, you're providing recommendations to the superintendent. The superintendent will you know, likely ask some questions, but you're there to answer those questions. This way, the superintendent is knowledgeable on a particular recommendation. And, and when there's a discussion with the board, now the superintendent is a- answering the questions he was asking of you that he is now receiving from the board of education or uh, the community at large. So that's, you know, again, I've been, I've been lucky in one sense. If I ever, you know, I, I try to put my feet in other people's shoes when they're working with maybe uh, someone who's a little more difficult. And, and there's certain things that you can do to even build upon a relationship like that and, and work to get to that uh, point of trust, the mutual trust, mutual respect. And that's really been a common thread with this podcast and the folks that we've interviewed is that trust and that relationship building is so crucial. And it sounds like you've been incredibly successful through all four of the superintendents that you worked with. So congratulations on that. It always, you know, it doesn't always work out that way. But, you, but you've had some adversity, right? I, I would take it. Uh, again, I've been really fortunate with the superintendents that I've worked with. You know, Lindenhurst, Meg McKenna was the one who hired me originally. You know, she, she I was green then, you know, theoretically. Yes, I, I was yeah. a treasurer for five years, but as an assistant superintendent, I was green. She took a shot on me and, and it worked out. And for me, that was an instant trust and respect with her. Right. And I know I had to earn it, you know, for her to to build that trust. And she saw something in me and and that's what sparked that relationship. And Lindenhurst, when she retired, it was the high school principal who I already knew became the uh, superintendent. So I already had a relationship with that person. When I went to Half Hollow Hills, I worked with, had the good fortune to work with Dr. Carnello, you know, him and now Hank here in Jericho, both, both father figures for me, great people, great mentors, not only professionally, but personally as well. It's really important. I mean, I, I lost my dad in 2011 and they were both there for me for, on a personal level. And again, on a professional level, it's just been outstanding, the relationships I, I've had with them and many of uh, my central uh, administrator colleagues. And you, you don't want to take those relationships for granted. And, you know, especially with the superintendents that take a chance on you. And I think we can all agree at the beginning of our careers, we probably had that one superintendent where we were just entering the field and we didn't want to let them down. We don't want to let ourselves down. So, you know, you make sure that you're working a little extra hard to prove yourself. So that that's a great trajectory. And, you know, you've had a lot of those successes, Victor, but can you tell us maybe about when things haven't been so smooth sailing or has it just been like all green pastures for you? <laughs> <laughs> Not all green pastures for me. You know, nothing obviously that brought it to a level of, you know, I'm nervous about my job or anything like that. But I, I think for everyone over the last 18 months, COVID has been a challenge yes. and trying to, you know, guess at what was needed, especially last summer, summer of 2020, going yeah. into the 2021 school year, there, there were, I wouldn't say adversity. It was just, I felt that I just needed to start doing things from a business office perspective and, and getting things done because, you know, you couldn't wait any longer. It, it just it needed to get done. So go into the superintendent and communicate. We're buying desk guards, whether we're going to use them or not. If we don't buy them now, we're not going to have them. So we bought the we bought the desk guards. I said we we need to convert the Sam Springer gym if we're going to have school lunch. If you know, for a year ago, it just 
it wasn't going to happen in the cafeterias. And, and it takes time. You know, you have to put a floor down. You have to put, you know, there's, there's a lot of things that take place in order to get something like that accomplished. So it was, it was things like that that I normally you know, I'm definitely not a rogue type of person, but I went into the superintendent. I said, We're, we need to do this and we need to do it now. Right. Uh, and, and, you know, he trusted me because we we do go back a long time. And when I when he sees me feeling that way, he's like, OK, go to it. Do what you got to do. Yeah. Uh, so it's and that's crucial, that, again, that you have that level of trust with your superintendent, that he can just give you the green light and he knows that you're going to do what's in the best interest of the district and students. And, you know, reflecting back to that time, it was it was pretty stressful because every district was in a very similar position and was looking to buy PPE, desk guards, you name it, and put such a stress on the supply chain that I think you having that foresight and trying to get out in front of everything else was, was a great move because it was I know of some district that was it was just so challenging to try and get a hold of anything, whether it be masks or gloves that, you know, that was the the focus. But the desk guards, that was some good, you know, you know, foreshadowing in your part. Thank you. Yeah. Wow. You know, what's so funny is that like, uh, I remember the last few times uh, during the main part of the pandemic, where we were like locked down. We had a lot of good times connecting yes. with our peers. I remember those yeah. times we had like times we just I don't know if you did that too, John, in your area, but. I never forget us going on these Zooms and just like really just having fun and just kind of connecting. And that's that's great. I think that's what always helped me when I saw your conferences, whether it be, you know, you or Pat, like it's just folks just were able to say, hey, listen, we see you. We know you're learning. You know you're new. But we embrace you and just ask us anything. Hang, come hang with us. And you know, it's always good stuff. Yeah. I don't want to jump on a tangent, but I just like just having you on it, just, it really feels good. Now, just... And asking again, back to the questions. Um, I know, like you know, you've been successful. You can just hear it and see it and, and feel. It. You know it. You know your districts and things like that. Why do you think your experience and current knowledge of new policies, you know, procedures, maybe even standards, every you're really in tune with what's going on? How do you think that lends to benefit your school district so well? I always found involvement in not only in the local chapter of the association, but the state association um, w was critical to my success. I know that because when you're in it, you it's like osmosis. The information just, you know, come comes inside of you. Right. And if you're involved in it, like I said, when I was on the board of directors and now co-chair of the government relations committee, it you know, do I try to help others in yes. you know, sharing yes. thoughts, but man, do I get a, a wealth of knowledge from all of our colleagues across the state. And it's important to hear what other districts are going through, not just on the island, but in, in Western New York and Central New York, because things are different. And, mm -hmm. you know, and you have to understand when we're going through the government relations committee, when we're going through legislative priorities, why, you know, something might seem absurd to uh, some of us on Long Island, but to districts upstate, it's extremely important. And you have to understand that and why it's important to different regions throughout the state. And having that, and having that knowledge and keeping in the loop and understanding what uh, other districts are dealing with throughout the state, I, I think is critical in doing a good job 
for your own district and for your own kids. And, and especially when you look to do some advocacy on behalf of uh, your district or your region, it, you need to have that understanding of what's going on throughout the state because just because something works for your region may not work for someone else in the state. And you have to understand that and be able to speak to that if, if the question comes up. And that was my first introduction to you, Victor, was on the Government Relations Committee. I was I had just started as a business official in 2015 and wanted to get involved. And I remember we met, I think maybe it was fall of 15, and then we do the spring legislative session that was the spring of 16. And it was, like you said, osmosis. Like I was so overwhelmed, you know, the committee, a lot of the committee members had been committee members and business officials for a long time. And I'm just sitting there thinking, how does how does everybody keep all this straight? There's so many different legislative priorities. It was it was overwhelming, but over time you kind of really come to understand like there's so many different priorities in the state. How do you kind of categorize those? And I think I remember it was, I think there was something down on Long Island about uh, a municipal issue with like building a fence only so high. And there was like an issue. Oh, with state. Do you yeah. remember that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, wow, we're really getting into the weeds here. But it was, it was such a, uh, an eye-opening experience. It was, um, it was really you know great. And I'm saying piece that you brought up because that's something that could affect all districts across the yeah, state, if they, allowed, zone, yeah. if they allowed it to continue. Imagine going to yep. your local village or your local town every time you were doing a renovation or or any type of addition, nothing would get done. Yeah, and, not, and not to go off on too much of a tangent, but maybe for our listeners, Victor, can you just kind of summarize what that issue is and what the government relations committee has been working on with that? Yeah, sure. It was a neighboring district. Uh, they were putting up a what looked like a very nice fence around their property. And there were people that lived across the street that were not happy that they were building a fence. They got the village involved. And the village stated that the fence is too tall. You can't build it there. There are certain codes. And the school said, no, we're a school district. We go through SED. And there was basically a court battle where the construction had stopped for an extended period of time. I don't know where they are now with it. Jack, maybe you know a little more. But, you know, we were we were concerned that the courts were coming in mm-hmm. and changing what we've been doing for decades, which right. is going to SED for any and all approval and not going to local villages or towns, et cetera for any type of approval. So, you know, I don't know what the end result it's, is going to be. Yeah, it's no, it hasn't been fully resolved yet. It kind of gets tied up uh, with anything else through COVID, the pandemic slowed things down, but I can say that it's something we have to currently do, but it's not completely resolved as well. So we'll hopefully see that we can stand strong with that and, and come back right. that so it doesn't occur. I mean, and it takes it takes enough effort and time to go through SED to get into facilities planning and- oh. <laughs> I couldn't imagine having to then go through another channel yeah. to get approval. So hopefully that works out in the favor of the school districts. Best of luck to them. But but Victor, in, in kind of wrapping up here, we always give our guests an opportunity to kind of just speak their mind and give a little advice to our listeners. So that being said, what can you offer and, and what would you have to say to anybody listening to this podcast? I would say never run a business office in a bubble. Business office okay. should be part of part of the entire district, part of every single decision that takes place. The business officials should be involved in central office meetings, discussions, and decisions that take place, whether it's uh, personnel, instructional, you know, whatever it takes. 
business officials should be involved with the community. They should be going to PTA events. They should be going to district-wide events because, uh, you know, you're an important face for uh, the district and you, you should be out there where people have access to you. They could talk to you at a soccer game, you know, what have you. Right. Um, and it's important to garner those relationships and I feel that builds trust within the community as well over time. And again, building trust and building relationships and mutual respect is critical when it comes time to publicly, uh, you know, putting forth the budget. And if you have those relationships with people there, again, there's a mutual trust and a mutual respect there. And by getting involved and not living in a bubble of the business office, I think is critical for anyone to be successful. Right. And a great point. I mean, getting involved is crucial. And a lot of the time, the community and PTAs and even students don't really understand what a business official does at this district or if they even exist. So I I think that's great advice. And, you know, we're so thrilled to have you on the podcast today, Victor. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you, John. Thank you. Thanks. And that was our interview with Victor Manuel. We want to thank everybody for tuning in and especially thank Victor for his time today. What an awesome opportunity we had to speak with him because he's, again, been yeah. in the profession for a long time. So it's really interesting to hear how he started using the green paper on his accounting ledger. And now he's, <laughs> what, what he's a doing story, today. right? But he's not a dinosaur. He is somebody no, no. I can say that we could hang out with all the time, but it was really great to have him on. I can tell you, Vic, thanks for finally, you know, it's been a while to get you on, but I can tell you it was really good and we can't wait to get this one out there. So everybody listening, extra perspectives, we're bringing it to you week after week. It never stops. It never will, it never dies. And John and I are happy. So we'll see you at yeah. the next one. Thanks everyone. Thanks everyone.